Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What up, Fightful fam, and welcome to the sophomore episode of Fightful's Wrestling Roundtable. I'm your host, Shaquille Mahjoui of CBS Sports, and we got another stacked lineup for you. First, he is the managing editor and now pen-to-paper part owner of Fightful, Sean Rossap. How's it going, my man? Doing good. I'm excited to be here again with, with more people that that I respect, and you know... The only thing that I respect more than these people is how they start their mornings. And off the air, I was talking to Alicia to Alicia. Do do you like cereal? I love love cereal, and I think this little brand that we came across that makes morning cereal even yeah. better. Yeah, I, I know something that you don't like. You don't like feeling guilty about eating your cereal, do you? I hated it, and I've been doing this for what twenty six years of my life until until this year, something changed. <laughs> magic spoon change you don't feel guilty when you eat magic spoon fightful wrestling round table brought to you by magic spoon you can cut down on the carbs sugar the unhealthy food if you eat magic spoon you will look exactly like alicia too that's what it takes you will look just like her only you will look like a star. <laughs> yes zero grams of sugar 13 14 grams of protein yes. only four net grams of carbs in each serving only 140 calories per serving, and you're not running back and forth to the cupboard. Because let's be real, if you get some other cereal, you're going to eat half the box in one sitting. Nobody eats just one bowl, but you do with Magic Spoons. It fills you up, doesn't spike your blood sugar. It's got all the flavors you love, cocoa, fruity, frosted peanut butter, blueberry, cinnamon, cookies and cream, maple waffle, all that. Go to magicspoon.com slash Fightful. Grab a custom bundle of cereal. Start your new year off right. If your new year's resolution is, I want to look exactly like Alicia Atute, this is where you start. Magicspoon.com, code Fightful. They love their product so much. They're so confident in it. 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, if you wake up one morning and you have a Canadian accent, And you were like, I have to send this back. I've got to change this. They'll say, that's weird, but we're not asking any question. Here's your money back. Thank you to Magic Spoon for sponsoring Fightful Wrestling Roundtable. I really do love Magic Spoon. Like, it's not even a joke. It's my newest obsession of the year. It's so good. Got eight (laughs) boxes downstairs, and that's a shoot. And don't you know... We also have, and I, like I feel good, man, because I'm brushing shoulders with royalty. These finally, finally, I popped Andreas off the air. He hated everything coming out of my mouth. Uh, you guys know who this is. She is the interview queen, MLW TV host, and maybe an elf during the holiday seasons. I don't know if that's a genetic condition or what, but part time job. Alicia Toot, how are you? I'm doing so well. Thank you so so much for having me on today. I can't wait to talk some wrestling. Yes. And before we get there, we got to introduce the last member of today's panel, 
but surely not the least. He is the senior combat sports editor at Sporting News and one of the co-creators of Our Heroes Rock. Yes, that's the project with WWE champion Big E. Andreas Hale, how are you doing, dude? Man, I'm good. And I'm, I love talking pro wrestling. It's like this the end of the year, too. So we get some end of the year grabs conversation. I'm here for it. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. Guys, just a quick reminder before we get started. If you can please, if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. Everyone hit thumbs up. That helps us get to more eyes. We will have a Q&A portion at the end. So please leave your super chats towards the end of the show. We will get to all of your questions, comments, concerns, good takes, and bad at Sean's discretion, of course. <laughs> but let's get started with the goodies first. Uh, we are on the road to WWE Day 1, first day of 2022, and that means a rematch. Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar. How are we feeling about this? They did have a match not too long ago, but I gotta say, the king, the person who's really pulled this whole uh, this whole rematch together is the... A-plus performance put in by Paul Heyman. And we'll start with Andreas, because I know he's feeling good about it. How are we feeling about the build to this rematch, and how much of that rests on the shoulders of Paul Heyman? Oh, I would say about 75% of it. Heyman is so good. And it's like, I can't I can't picture anybody else sitting in this role and handling as well as Heyman has done to, is, is he, will he, won't he, which side is he on? The conversations, the the promo work, the look. There's this thing that Heyman does that's been incredible where he kind of like shakes his head a little bit when he's talking. And it's like, is it sincere? Is it not? This has been a fantastic rivalry. Obviously, we all know Roman Reigns has been phenomenal in this performance as a heel. Um, But there was a time where I felt like it was bordering on stale before Brock had come back. And I was trying to figure out what was going to be next. This has rejuvenated everything. And uh, I'm really looking forward to this. Why? Because I don't know what the hell is about to happen. I have no idea how this is going to play out at day one. Usually WWE, is, their foreshadowing is not, they kind of pull the curtain back a little bit too much where you figure like, all right, we know who's going over here. I don't have a clue. I don't have a clue. There could be a, a Paul Heyman doing a whole ruse. Like, I don't know what's going on, but the build has been fantastic. It's the one thing on SmackDown that is much CTV. If you don't watch anything else on SmackDown, you have to watch that. Obviously, it almost dominates half of the show. But still, it's every segment is good. I don't think they've had a bad segment with Heyman, Roman, or even Lumberjack Brock with a ponytail yet. It's all great. Lumberjack Brock. Uh, I, I can't tell if Sean has something in his eyes or has a lot to say about Lesnar versus Reigns and Paul Heyman. Do you, clear, do you want to clear that up? Yeah, both, actually. Uh, but still, I've, I've been very interested in this. I'm not typically interested in the constant rematches. And this is a match that... WWE has went out of their way to make a thing for years and years and years. It's just, it should have been like this like five years ago. And maybe people would have been more invested in it to the point to where they didn't need to add Seth Rollins to it. Now it's a good thing they did because that launched Seth Rollins into the stratosphere. But I have, I have a theory on Paul Heyman where we're questioning where his allegiance lies. I think it lies with the championship belt itself. Like when he had that belt at crown jewel and he threw it in the ring, he threw it in between both guys. And he said, you know what to do. I think he was physically speaking to the championship belt. Like, you know where to lead me. I'll follow you type of thing. Cause that's what he is. He's, he's a little bit slimy. He Mm -hmm. likes to, he likes to follow the glory and follow uh, wherever the money is. And that's, that's Paul Heyman. That's been Paul Heyman, his old career. And uh, well, not wasn't following too much money in ECW by the looks of it. But I mean, it, within WWE, it's worked out. It's well, why are you why are you doing that, Shaq? Why are you mind? I'm, I'm your hype man here, man. I'm a yeah. I'm is that what that is? <laughs> is that what that is? It seems like you're, you're doing some stuff off camera. No, 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 I, to... I put the I put the shot back on me. Don't worry. Okay, okay. But yeah, I think I think Paul Heyman's allegiance is with the title. Uh, I've loved seeing a different different side of Brock Lesnar. It's it's made things a lot more refreshing. I just love knowing how much actually rides on this because I'm kind of with you, Sean, when a storyline goes on for this long and we're kind of just waiting for it to come to, to some kind of completion. And this has obviously been going on for years between the two of them. Uh, when it comes to this 
time, you know, he's literally had this Universal Championship title for over close to 500 days now. So knowing that this streak and reign, no pun intended, uh, could be finally taken away from him just makes everything so, so tense. And I have been a massive fan and a very love-hate relationship with Paul Heyman since I was a kid. I remember just watching him on television, being captivated every single time he came on, just not knowing what he was going to do, not knowing if I would want to cheer or boo him that day. And I'm always just waiting for the day for him to completely trip up. And he never does. Like he is one of the best mouthpieces that you've ever come across. And as an interviewer, I love watching that because as all of you know, there are times where we stutter, we stumble, it happens to the best of us, but rarely ever to Paul Heyman, especially when it's live. So I think just seeing him taking on that role and honestly, in my eyes, the best he's ever done it, kind of being that mediator, whose side is he really on? Is he going to be Weasley and betray somebody, uh, which we know he's obviously going to do in the end? I think it's the coolest part of it all. It's just them kind of going back and forth, um, the retorts, the rebuttals. I love the wrestling aspect, but we've seen them in the ring quite a few times. So I think it's really cool to now just have them all on the mic, hotter than they've ever been before. And uh, I'm just curious to see whose side he's really on. because I'm. I agree with you right now. I think it's just wherever the title lands. It's good that you mentioned the, the the length of the reign too, because if Roman Reigns retains, he will pass Brock Lesnar's universal nice. title reign, and it will be the longest WWE world title reign on the main roster since since Hogan in the eighties. Let's uh, touch on that quick thing. Yeah, uh, where because we talked on the first episode of this pod about um, whether or not we're starting to get a bit of Roman Reigns fatigue, and what has been for the most part, you know, the the rise of WWE's marquee player and one of the best wrestlers coming out the last couple of years do you think ultimately um brock lesnar should go home with the title of day one for the sake of freshening things up or like you said sean is this an important time to sort of stamp and cement roman reigns's legacy as uh, one of the all-time draws for w or you know at least one of the all-time performers of wwe for this generation I think this is the reign they have always wanted out of Roman Reigns. This is the coronation they have always wanted. I don't think that sort of spending that on Brock Lesnar, who is perpetually over and will be over forever as long as he's around, is a good idea. I'd rather somebody who needs it, or if you're if you're moving towards The Rock, mm-hmm. you, you do something where where that catapults somebody, but I don't think it should be Brock Lesnar. Andreas Alicia? No, I agree. I, I think uh, this is Roman's time. This is what we've been waiting for. Like, we wanted to be an asshole here for how long? And we finally got <laughs> yes. it. And then we're like, yo, he is really good at this. And there's also this less is more aspect with Roman right now where he's not working every week on television. He's cutting promos. So there's a lot for, for him to show us. We've seen what Brock has. Even though we love him as a baby face, I don't necessarily want to see him with another title ring. And my only concern at this point, as we head into WrestleMania season, is whoever goes over on Roman at this point, if he gets past Brock, is going to be a made man. And who is that person in that position? We have no idea. I don't think nobody's necessarily been built to the point where you're like, that's the guy that's going to be Roman Reigns right now. Maybe that gets determined at Royal Rumble, but I think you got to keep that title on him because he's hotter than he's ever been. He's cutting amazing promos. Yes. There's a lot of meat on the bone, especially with his work as a heel, in ring and on the microphone. There was a little fatigue there, but I think we can freshen this up with him going over on Brock. I think there's a lot more to this. I'm with the boys. Like, I'm such an analytical person, too. When you're so close to finally beating a streak like that, I just think, like, it's it's his time to shine. It's his time to continue having the title. And I think one of the coolest things, too, um, is just kind of like what Andreas was saying, is I just love how he's shining on the mic right now. It's something I always pay attention to whenever someone has a mic in their hand, and he's doing such a good job at it. So I just want to continue seeing that as well, because I feel like the fire in terms of why they've been so good is because he has that title and that to talk about. So I would really love to continue seeing that. Last thing on the subject before we move on, I'd like to get your guys' uh, quick thoughts. When it's all said and done, what is Paul Heyman's legacy in pro wrestling? Because he's worn so many hats from, um, you know, being the boss of U- uh, ECW to his creative responsibilities with WWE, being an advocate for Lesnar, both on screen and in a lot of ways behind the scenes, too. When it's all said and done, uh, what is your, when, when you're putting Paul, of Fa- uh, Paul Heyman on that Hall of Fame plaque, what do you want it to read? I think it's got to reference ECW because it had such a lasting influence. But at this point, I think he has been Brock Lesnar's manager advocate for longer than ECW existed. So uh, 
I think it's side by side, but uh, I think ECW is is the lasting impression and impact, and probably is what what led him to having this role modern days. So, but so many people uh, romanticize that. Yeah, I think Man. it's. Go ahead. Because <laughs> I was going to say, go ahead, Lisa. So I'm, still <laughs> I'm still thinking. I'm still thinking. Go it's, ahead. It's kind of like what we were saying before. I'll go down as one of the best talkers, one of mm-hmm. the greatest creative minds, and honestly, one of the biggest striking characters that we've had on television. Anytime he's in that ring, whether you agree with anything that he says or you just want him to shut up finally, because he never stops talking. <laughs> um, he's just the best at it. And at least that's my opinion. So I think those are the two things he should go down for. And of course, bring up the ECW days. But now it's the stuff with with Lesnar um, and always just being an incredible, incredible manager. Yeah, I know we call Roman Reigns, I mean, Seth Rollins the architect, but I think that should be what Paul Heyman is. Because if you look at a guy who change the landscape of pro wrestling with ECW, right? If it wasn't for ECW, you probably wouldn't have the Attitude Era. We look at a guy who got on commentary and called WrestleMania 17 with with Jim Ross and was phenomenal in that role. We look at the day where he walked Brock Lesnar in. We look at his time with CM Punk. We look at going back to the Dangerous Alliance in WCW. This guy, he does everything. You know, they say a jack of all trades and a master of none, but he's like a jack of all trades and a master of them all. I don't think, except for maybe running a company um, financially. (laughs) But other than that, I think there is nobody like Paul Heyman. He is incredibly magnetic on the screen. Um, he's the used car salesman in the best way because he can he can make me buy that Pinto that I shouldn't be buying because he could sell it so well. But anything he attaches himself to is gold. And I don't think there's ever been a moment aside from maybe his brief pairing with Cesaro that was really weird. Aside from that, Everything he touches is money and it's gold. He should be. He should go down as like the architect. If it wasn't for him, a lot of things wouldn't exist. Yeah, uh, I get better call Saul vibes from Paul Heyman through and through. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I'm gonna. I'm, yeah, there we go, Andreas. I'm winning you over it. The longer the show goes on. <laughs> um, and I to to cap that off, I, I do want to tie these all together. I think Paul Heyman, without a doubt, is one of the best guys at at making you feel something, whether it's his ability to really anchor, even from sort of a you know secondary role, these big storylines, all the way to the sort of crazed fandom he formed around ECW. There's something about Paul Heyman that's so in touch with fans and their emotions, so I want to give him the credit there. As we move on to topic number two, guys, I'm a hooker. I'm all in on Taz's son, Hook. I want to know, you know, when you look at AEW's uh, YouTube traffic, man, Hook is outshining a lot of the raw. If your name's not like uh, CM Punk or Brian Danielson, the the fascination for Hook is insane. What do we think the upper ceiling is for Hook? How do we think AEW should sort of move him along? And and most importantly, are we hooked? I'll start with Alicia on this one. So like most people, I had no idea who was walking down that ramp into that ring at first. I, it was almost like a Tom Holland with crazy hair, but you see the aesthetic, you see the swagger, and you're just instantly intrigued. And without saying anything, you became one of the most instantly loved people within AEW. And the thing that cracks me up is just his strut. There's this vibe where he's so nonchalant. He just goes in there. He knows that he's going to crush it and just get the job done. Uh, But the other interesting thing is, of course, uh, as you mentioned, his father being Taz, anytime you're the son or the daughter of a wrestler, the pressure is just immense. And every single person, uh, even if it's the slightest thing, is going to pick on you. And he is handling that pressure incredibly well. So, of course, we've only seen a few matches in the ring. I think the potential as of now is limitless it just kind of will depend too once we see a lot more in terms of speaking because that really can make or break somebody especially if they're just not great at it but my fingers are crossed you know coming from somebody who's amazing at speaking that that will kind of run in the family and it's just insane to see how many people were loving him I literally woke up to hook miss on Christmas and I was like oh my gosh this is incredible like people are just infatuated with this human and I think it's really cool to see Andreas, Sean? Sean, you go. So I had heard that he was progressing very well throughout training, but you know, I hear that about a lot of people, and then I see him in the ring and it doesn't quite match up, it doesn't quite live up. He got over effectively as a meme in wrestling and <laughs> just send hook. Like that was like a funny thing. And then he delivered. And one of the things I love about his skill set is that he implements judo, which is a severely underutilized 
offensive platform for pro wrestling. We saw a lot of stuff with Ronda Rousey that we had not seen regularly in pro wrestling because judokas know how to throw people in ways that pro wrestlers don't often train. But then they're also taking break falls, side falls, front rolls, all that stuff. There's a very good base there. He's an athletic, young, good-looking guy that is going to uh, attract people, uh, attract younger people as well. He's there, There's nobody that's presented like him. Like, nonchalant, but, like, you want to say, oh, he's cocky, but he doesn't do anything to make you think that he's cocky. He just gets up, beats people up, and then leaves. Like, that's it. <laughs> so it's like we're in our heads, we're like, is this guy being cocky? When he's not, he's not being like a showman or anything. He's just presented so differently. I think so far they've handled this really well. I could have went without the no-selling of the Rikishi driver. Um, I know I it's a waiting callback. for someone, waiting for yeah. someone to bring that up. <laughs> I know it's the call. It's a callback to the Bam Bam Bigelow Taz stuff. Taz is who motivated me to get into amateur wrestling. I saw a guy that was, was smaller than everybody else dumping people on their heads. And I was like, I want to learn how to do that. And like, he, he's got that built into him, but the crowd loved it. And ultimately that's what you're after. And I don't think that's going to end wrestling as we know it. So I think that uh, they, they've handled him really well so far. So here's my thoughts on Hook is uh, when I saw him, he comes out to action Bronson, right? Mm-hmm. First and foremost. And that immediately caught me because for years as a kid, and anybody listening to this show this of a certain age will understand when I say this, we all thought Taz was a black man. We saw Taz at ECW. <laughs> like, Who is this black man on my television? Then we found out, it was like, nah, that's just, you know, he's just got a really cool tan. But then we see Hook and it feels like the culmination of everything we thought Taz was in this form chewing gum the way he does very, that's cocky very that's cocky gum chewing coming out to you know coming out to action bronson tossing people the way he does yes i was on the same side of like the no sell i was like ah oh, this is kind of tough because you got this guy that's outweighing you by about 100 pounds and the only drawback on hook right now is he's a little slight in his frame so it's like it's not like taz tad had, had a neck like a tire so it's like if you dropped him on his head it was like no sells you go i get it I don't know how that goes over with a lot of people. I saw a lot of people didn't like it, but I think the sky's the limit for Hook. As long as you push him in a modest way and not shoot him to the top of the card, I think that it gets very dangerous because this card is, I mean, AEW, as we know, is a bloated-ass roster. There's a ton of talent here. And if you just shoot him past a lot of people, we're going to run into some problems. But I think if you keep pushing him like this as an attraction in a way, where he's just kind of nuking people, we got to see him work from under at some point, right? Like we got to see him be in some peril at some point, but I'm in no rush. I'm in no rush for him to be pushed up the card. I'm in no rush. I like the special attraction. I think the idea of send hook is a thing that can manifest itself first quarter of the next year where you got to send him to deal with somebody that's of a prominence. I think the sky's the limit for him. I just want them to be careful on how they handle him. Cause if you push him too much too soon, it's going to lead to a nasty social media revolt of people sure. that are just going to hate Hook. But right. in ring, that talent is there. Sean, you nailed it. As soon as I saw him do a, a, a judica hip toss, I was like, oh, shit. He's different. <laughs> the moveset is different. And I'm in on this. I like, I like guys who have a different moveset. And because you know judo, that slight frame is now forgivable. Because now you can toss people and it makes sense. So everything makes sense right now. Just slow down. Don't put a title on them. You know, don't put them anybody's title picture. Just let them work. And then the, the fans will determine when it's time to push. So I, I definitely do want to address the size thing because I agree with you. There are a lot of people for some reason that think this guy's like five, six. I don't know why, he's but he's, he's six feet tall. He's a leaner really? guy. And I think for the, for the years that we saw the steroid era in wrestling, people got conditioned to say, that's what a wrestler looks like. Well, I mean, I think we, we've all seen 300-pounders don't usually last that long in MMA. If they're in an MMA fight, they gas out in a minute or two. That, that requires my suspension of disbelief. And several of us have covered MMA. We've seen Ikushi Minowa make a career beating up people bigger than him. We saw Guy Mesger beat up Sammy Schilt, and uh, Vitor Belfort beat up John Hess. We saw Hoyt's Gracie beat up a bunch of people. Bob Sapp, to most wrestling fans, looks like he could kill anybody. We watched him pile drive a guy, then get tapped out right after that, and then get punched in the face for like six straight years and fall over. Uh, Couture and Sylvia, Ruiz and Gan McGee as well. Ginky Sudo, 
tapped out Butterbean, who knocked out like the toughest wrestler. They held a tournament to <laughs> see who could beat up who. Butterbean knocked out that guy in 12 seconds. Then Genki Sudo comes out with a jetpack dancing and heel hooks this guy and beats him in a matter of seconds. Like suspension of disbelief is important. And there's, there's this weird perception that 300 pounders are the optimal fighters because that's what we saw growing up. And that's to me, that's far less realistic than what we see today. I mean, just to touch on that, some of my favorites growing up were Warrior, The Rock, Macho Man, like these huge dudes, you know, both in stature and weight. And then I remember getting into wrestling about four and a half years ago, walking into a locker room, I'm five, six and a half, and literally being taller than 80% of the people in the locker rooms, you know? It's a very weird deception when it comes to size and wrestling. So uh, you can see someone on television and think that they're a monster, that they're like six foot two, and then you meet them and they're six two, or you can see someone like Hook and you think he's five, six, he's actually six foot in real life so uh, to me I don't care if someone's super small super big anymore I don't care if they're short or tall if they can put on a good match they can wrestle uh, whatever kind of realm they're in I don't care like I don't understand people's infatuation with it whatsoever so just for people at home if you don't happen to be like backstage at shows or even meeting wrestlers too frequently it is just something that will blow your mind when you actually start to meet people. Uh, just how a lot of time on television, it does not relate to how people really are in person. And there's, there's really no issue with that. When, when I love the road warriors. I, when I would hear that they were the toughest dudes around. And then I went and rewatched brawl for all after I had trained and I knew what a good punch looked like, boy, my world came <laughs> crashing down when I saw how bad road warrior Hawk was Aww. in that ring. It, it, it hurt me. <laughs> Andreas is this when you break the news that Big E is actually a lean five four? No, that that man is a that's a house. It's a thick man yes. right there, man. Like when I see him in person, you know, you you go up to give your friend a you know a dap and a hug, and you're like, can't quite. This is <laughs> can't weird. Lock, man. Can't lock the arms. <laughs> like, Any, see, yeah. anytime I see him, he like flinches. He's like, oh, oh, oh. and I'm it's like, I'm like, it's okay, man. It's okay. It's just me. It's just me. Because right. you're too tall. Well, uh, yeah. He called me tall on on Twitter one time. He said he was going to dunk on me and put his nuts on my tall ass shoulders. That's what he said. Wow. So, so he the, the, the important thing to take away from that is he called me tall. Yeah, that's the important thing for sure. That's what yeah, that's, that's, what that's the important part on. to remember. Yes. yes, Big E with the big BDE. That was um, my takeaway. <laughs> On that note, as I keep switching the camera on to me in the hopes of moving on with this conversation, <laughs> should SRS allow me? <laughs> Topic number three. Uh, you know, earlier this month, we saw Jeff Hardy part ways with WWE, and that sparked all sorts of different reactions from fans. Some are saying, well, the door is wide open. AEW, his brother Matt Hardy there, old pal Christian Cage as well. Uh, others saying, you know, speculating on what exactly happened with Jeff and his release, um, whether he should maybe take time off, retire entirely. Uh, you know, I think the initial reports about, um, like, substance issues and stuff have been, have been um, I don't know if down, downplayed is the right word, but Jeff Hardy and Matt Hardy are, are saying that it's not as bad as perhaps the initial reports made it out or had people believing. Now that we've had some time to digest, do we think that AEW is a good home for Jeff Hardy? SRS, I feel like this is uh, your wheelhouse of reporting well i reported the story but we never reported anything about substance mm -hmm. abuse issues i should say that he had erratic behavior at a live event uh, he was taken off the road and then he was released he was offered rehab now i don't know if that was for alcohol issues uh, substance issues or something else like i have no no clue of the context of that uh, i was just told that he declined that he didn't feel like he needed that and that was uh, later confirmed it would it would take a display of like making sure that this guy is okay and some real assurance because even over this past four and a half years he's had some hiccups here and there like he had some issues a couple of years ago and that seems to happen every few years and you just don't want that you you can't have that especially on your company's watch and it's like is it worth bringing him in if that might happen again well he has downplayed this most recent situation and i you know i've got nothing to disprove him i've got nothing to say oh yeah he was impaired he wasn't anything like that because i was never outright told that he was impaired or anything like that the uh behavior was just erratic 
he's free in early March. I mean, I think that that's a good amount of time for a company to kind of look at. He's going to get bookings. I mean, somebody's going to book him. He's one of the biggest stars in the world still. I mean, he's one of those guys that's perpetually over, but um, it it's really going to have to be a, a wait and see type of thing. Alicia? For me, health always comes first when it comes to wrestling. So that aside and just truly hoping that he is okay on that front. And, you know, hopefully a lot of those articles were things that were, you know, put out of proportion is not the truth because you never want to hear somebody is just going through something like that um but just in terms of where he ends up and if it is AEW I, I genuinely this myself blunt I don't really care where he ends up I just want him to end up somewhere and be on my television because he's always stupidly entertaining like I've been a Hardy's Boys fan since I was a kid they're so damn effortless when they're in the ring so she has an emo kid growing up like just seeing them on my screen they're fantastic both solo uh when he's with Matt both individually like I just I just love them so much so I feel like he can shine in any promotion the great thing with him going to AEW is of course they will both be within the same roster once again so there's potential of some crazy matchups there um if he decides to team with his brother I love the matching gear the chemistry the awesome movesets that they have maybe we could have like another iconic ladder match you never know but then the thing that isn't so hot for me and this could stir some controversy but that's what we're here for uh it's weird seeing so many ex-WWE talents every damn week showing up at AEW like the roster is going to get to the point where it's all people WWE didn't want but AEW were willing to have and I kind of just feel like it's going to be a reincarnated WWE so the whole concept in itself uh that is just very strange to me I'm not mad at it because it's a lot of great wrestlers but there's something a little less organic about it so um I kind of am like on a little edge right there I don't know where I want him to end up but I'd love to see him on my TV again so if it's AEW cool but then I always have that in the back of my mind yeah um Health is first, uh, and health is first for him. Health is first for his brother. Health is first for whatever company decides to pick him up. As a fan, I don't want to see him go to AEW because, as Alicia just mentioned, they are incredibly crowded. And when you still have a tag team like uh, the tag team formerly known as LAX, still not in the title picture, yeah. I can't see another tag team taking that spot. I mean, now we got Red Dragon is back. The matchup opportunities are endless, but you only have so much time on television, and I don't necessarily want to see somebody else spot get taken because jeff hardy is now here and i love jeff but I, you know maybe i want to see jeff back at impact or maybe i want to see jeff do some gcw bookings AEW, it's there's too many too much talent is not getting seen because we have so much former wwe talent or just indie talent that's showing up we got to make some room here we got to make some room because somebody like powerhouse hobbs needs some tv time ricky starts when he gets off a of commentary he needs to get into a match he needs to get into a rivalry jeff hardy may take that spot so i don't, I don't want to see him there if it happens i won't be upset i mean i wouldn't be mad at another ladder match between the bucks and the hardys i mean are you nuts i'd love to see it again but i just think you don't have enough time and i think it will create some controversy in that locker room where another person is going damn it, there goes my spot to another former WWE guy. And it might eventually create some mutiny. And now also when you have talent like Keith Lee still sitting out there, you have Gargano, obviously he's having a kid. Who knows where he'll end up? It, it's a lot, man. It's a lot. And I think some of these other companies could use Jeff Hardy as well. Doesn't I think a lot, a, a lot of the great things Jeff Hardy would could do in AEW, he doesn't need a contract to do. Like he can show up as a surprise partner for Matt. He can have a couple of big matches. He can come and go. They can kind of avoid responsibility if something happens. God forbid, uh, physically or like you know even beyond that. Because he's. It's hard for me to ever understand or judge the the motivators of how artists want to make their art. And Jeff Hardy is an artist in a lot of different ways, whether it be music or creating mummies out of aluminum or whatever the hell it is he used to do, or creating art in the ring. Uh, you, you never know what he might want to do, but I think a lot of the cool things uh, he could do in AEW, they don't even need a contract to do. Yeah, I, I agree with SRS on this one, and I agree with all of you in saying that uh, health comes first 100%. I do think that there is room, a little bit of room. Andreas, I think, hit the nail on the head. There's such a big roster of stars right now, and I think AEW does their best to sort of circle talent in and out, but there are definitely people being left by the wayside. I like the idea of Jeff Hardy coming in as a part-timer, 
here and there for tag team matches with his brother against the likes of the Young Bucks. You have Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly back together now. I think there's room to keep them away from the title picture of the Hardy Boys, but still have them in these sort of big super tag matches against other guys like the Bucks to really help sort of usher in that new generation. I give AEW credit there when they do put their um, sort of aging names in a big spot, it's usually to the benefit of the younger talent across the ring from them. So I do think there's space for Jeff Hardy in AEW. I talked to Christian Cage recently. That's up on ET Canada's YouTube channel now. Uh, I know he really wants Jeff Hardy there, so there's room. But when you talk about what sort of mentorship capacity uh, Jeff could play like Matt and Christian are, I'm not saying that he can't. I just don't know that he can either because, you know, teaching and mentoring and molding is a very different skill set. And just because you've had a lot of success doesn't mean you're necessarily the best equipped person for that responsibility. And yeah, on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I like. To we hear, agree. I Everyone agrees. <laughs> Silence is key. I promise like these animations right one time producing is hard. Uh, last but not least, before we move on to the Q&A. So if you guys have your super chats primed, you can, you can start, slowly start to trickle those in. Uh, last but Certainly, certainly. Uh, The most important topic of today, we are just coming off of the one-year anniversary of Brody Lee's passing. Um, You know, AEW, wrestlers, everyone. There's been an outpour of support. And I thought it'd be a great time to not just celebrate what Brody Lee meant to the pro wrestling industry, but when we talk about the legacy of a guy who wasn't there in AEW for all that long, but managed to leave such an important imprint on that company, what do we think is Brody Lee's legacy in pro wrestling? Start with Sean. Uh, being a good dude. That's mm-hmm. that's what a lot of it is. Um, I, I, I've, I've told this story before, but I'll, I'll share it again on the show because it's, it's the only time I got to interact with him personally. And uh, it was the funniest interaction I've ever had. But it also showed what kind of a guy he was. Uh, at WrestleMania a few years ago, there was a situation where he felt like a wrestler was not taken care of and he was not happy about it. And I mean, physically, he thought they weren't taken care of and he let the person who didn't take care of them hear about it. And um, I had heard about this situation. I asked him if it was true. He's like, Hey, I'll give you a call. We'll talk about it. And uh, he confirmed it. And he was like, yeah, probably on my way out of this company though. So uh, if you want to run it, you can, if not, no big deal. And I decided not to, because I thought that might affect somebody's leverage and I don't want to cost them something in that, that sense. And it wasn't like a need to know story, but before we got off the phone, he goes, Oh, by the way, I got a big scoop for you. And I was like, Oh yeah. And then he hung up on me. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought that was like the funniest shit ever. And um, I've heard so many more stories like that from people since then. And there's, there's not a lot that I can possibly say that the people that knew him and loved him, couldn't say better but uh, I did want to share that that one interaction which was hilarious to me and um, I have since spoken to that person that that uh, he was concerned about being taken care of and shared that story and um, traded a couple more and it's just what what a wonderful guy he seemed like and when you care about the, the people that you're working with that says a lot and it says a lot to those people that you're working with and it's one of the reasons he's so beloved right It's interesting for me because when he was originally on TV with the Wyatt family, I wasn't watching a whole lot of wrestling at the time. I wasn't in the wrestling business yet. But then fast forward a couple of years when they decided to reunite and return to WWE. I remember seeing these giants coming to stage. I'd only seen photographs before because I wasn't really uh, watching as much. And just obviously you see the masks, you hear the intense music and you just think, this is so damn cool. Now, although I was always cheering on their rivals, he was part of something which was always such a spectacle. And I had never had the opportunity of meeting him in person or speaking with him. But the first time I ever hosted for Mick Foley, we were just kind of shooting the breeze back and forth and Brody randomly came up and he was sharing these absolutely wonderful stories about him. And it just really made me realize, man, I need to have this guy on my show. And as I mentioned, it unfortunately didn't happen, but it just hit me. You know, you might not know somebody or watch their wrestling as much, but everyone um, can be such a wonderful human being. And then, of course, you see the way that everyone, especially what hit me, is just seeing the response from almost like his family within the Dark Order and seeing how much he touched every single person. He was kind of like the uncle to the group. You can't make that stuff up. You can see when someone genuinely has care and love for the people they're working with 
And you don't experience that a whole lot in wrestling. It's something very special to have that trust and care towards others. So uh, I think kind of like how Sean started it all off, his legacy will be just being a really wonderful human being to people. And the people that got to experience that while he was here, I think that's just such a wonderful thing. And the fact we know that that legacy will never die, especially with these incredible shows and honors that are going on. And I feel like we'll forever go on. Uh, it's cheesy, but it's a really beautiful thing. So that's a pretty damn awesome thing to be known for. Andreas? Yeah, I, I think um, we're looking at a guy who was an always awesome guy in a sometimes ugly business. And uh, because, I mean, we've all worked in this industry and we've we've heard the stories. And a lot of stories, especially Sean, at least I know you guys know this, we keep to ourselves about how ugly the business is behind the scenes. Yeah. I've never heard a bad thing about Brody, ever. And, you know, obviously with Eme being my friend, uh, when I did the New Day podcast after George Floyd's passing, and uh, we had that really emotional show, one of the first people to reach out, I never met him, was Brody. And, uh-huh. you know, he said it was just such a great show and how it moved him. And then he starts talking, like, I, you know, we're talking about being MMA fans. He's a big MMA fan. And we said, you know, DM each other. You watching the fight this weekend? And it was just, like, genuine. And, you know, he would tell me, it was like, yo, he's like, you mind if I give you, Brody, uh, your number? And I was like, I mean, why wouldn't I? He's like, you know, you just want to make sure he doesn't blindside. You don't think it's Brody Lee. Yeah, right. Like dang. he's like he's like a magnificent human being. Like he's larger than life. I'm watching him on my TV. Of course, give him my number. We could just shoot the shit, whatever. But then just talking about family and how much he cared about his kids and his wife. And obviously everybody's seen the Players Tribune uh, piece that Amanda wrote. It's just this was a fantastic, uh, loving individual in a sometimes carny and ugly business. And the joy that he brought to so many people's lives and the people that I've talked to that have been friends with him and the people that, who have just watched him on TV. And, you know, even when we first started talking about uh, Our Heels Rock a while ago, Brody was just like, that's cool, right? Mm-hmm. And Amanda wanted, like, they were like, that's cool. Like, he was just always really supportive. And our brief interactions were just really genuine. Obviously, <laughs> Sean, you know this. If you're friends with pro wrestlers, the last thing you want to talk about is pro wrestling. Like, they want to yeah. talk about something else. Oh, yeah. But Brody it was just like family MMA, let's do it. Hey, you got to talk to Moxley. We need to get on the phone, have a three-way call during the match. I was just like, does he have better things to do to talk to me? But I heard he was like this with everybody that he was close to. And then he was just a phenomenal worker. That is the one thing about Brody. It's not he wasn't just a great guy. I loved watching him work. I loved when, I, when he worked the ladder match and, you know, it, at WrestleMania. I, he was just phenomenal. The Wyatt family matches, everything he did. Then he came to AEW and killed it we got to see a side of brody we didn't get to see in wwe he was funny hilarious you know him work the the bt the, the behind the scenes stuff like was just was just great so the legacy he leaves behind is that he impacted so many people and he's one of those people that you tell me i wish you knew brody lee is that everything i heard i wish you knew him like i did there's not too many people that you that you hear about that exist in this industry like that you guys have all done such a beautiful job on, of touching on the person Brody. So I, I do want to, as we close out this part, sort of expand on Brody, the performer like Andreas was getting that. You know, uh, it, it seemed like he was primed for so much in AEW, and it's it's a shame that we're not going to be able to see it. But I can't help but draw some comparisons to Owen Hart in, in a sense where it's like, you know, neither of them got to be that top guy, but we've seen with Owen Hart that legacy has persisted. We know how good Owen Hart was. We know how much Owen Hart could have accomplished. And I feel the exact same way about Brody Lee. When, when I think about the Wyatt family, like Alicia mentioned, you know, sure, Bray Wyatt is the focal point of that group. He is the speaker of that group. But let me tell you, no one fit into that aesthetic the way Luke Harper did. He, he I could not imagine, when he came to AEW, I'm like, how is this guy going to fit in another gimmick because I had just come to really believe in Brody Lee as that character. He was so authentic. And then to see him be able to put on a different hat and succeed with that new gimmick and that new personality so well, it spoke volumes to just how credible of an actor and a performer he was. And on top of that, you know, I know the Dark Order's cooled off a little bit, but the way he was able to bring up the Dark Order with him, I have no doubts that John Silver would have always been a success story for AEW, but the platform that Brody helped establish for guys like John Silver to show the world how talented they are, uh, I feel like both behind the scenes and on screen, Brody not only gave the best of himself, but he really elevated the people around him. I want to add one thing. Please. It's like I, I think a lot of people forget how good he was in the Wyatt 
Orton feud building to that WrestleMania where it felt like, but I was like, damn, if one of these fools get hurt, we might have, you know, we might have yeah. Brody in the main event because he was so good. And not just in, in ring, just how he was, you know, can we trust Randy and Bray? Like, what are you doing? Like, he was so good in that role. And it was, I think it was that moment for a lot of people that were sort of like, that guy could be a single superstar. He's got it written all over him. And then he shows up in AEW and he was so good in that brief amount of time. And let's be honest, the Dark Order, when it first showed up, it was like a wet fart. We were like, dude, what is this? Like, this is no good. Brody brought it together and, and elevated that group in a way that I think only Brody could. You know, everybody thought, hey, maybe it's going to be Matt Hardy. And we saw Brody was like, oh, I wonder how this is going to work. And he tore it up and he was just phenomenal. But uh, yeah, that legacy is going to be untouched. I love the comparison to Owen Hart because same thing, family man, family first. Well done. Yeah, thank you. And um, as we transition into our Q&A segment, I do want to say you mentioned Matt Hardy possibly being the um, leader or the exalted one of the Dark Order. I'm so happy it was Brody Lee. Like, I, we have already sort of, um, you know, Dark Order was already going through that bad comedy route. And that's not to say that Matt Hardy is bad comedy. It's just to say that the seriousness that Brody Lee brought to that role with inflections of comedy, I think was just a world changer for that group. So it's really nice to see what's come of them. And with that being said, it is time for the Q&A portion. So if you haven't already, guys, please, thank you, Alicia, for the moves. Uh, <laughs> please send your super chats now. That'll get your question, comment, concern read on the air. And we'll start with DJ Daystar, who says, we haven't had a Goldberg run. A Goldberg run. Send hook. And while that isn't a legitimate question, I do. I don't understand what that I, even I don't means. know. But you know what? This is, this is the improvisation working in the brain of Shaq. So, Sean, I'm going to go here. Um, in the build to hook, do you want to see a Goldberg-esque run where eventually we're talking about a guy who is 100 matches, 200 matches undefeated en route to the world title? Or do you think that maybe isn't the best route for a guy like him? No, because AEW doesn't do live events. So I don't want to see... Like, that would take them, like, three years to get him there. And if somebody's undefeated for three years, they probably should be champion already. Um I don't think we'll probably ever see anybody do the Goldberg thing again because the, the house show scale will never be back to what it, what it once was, but um, probably a winning streak for a good, good period of time. And it's one of those situations where you look as it goes along. Is he progressing? Is he adapting? If he does keep with the push, why not? Uh, who cares? I mean, Braun Breaker is one of the most interesting things to me about WWE right now. And that's because, He's new. He's unknown. There's a lot of question marks around him. And if he, if, if he flops, if he falters, beat him. No big deal. That's that's the beauty of pro wrestling. It's scripted. Right. Yeah. Um, what? Yeah. Alicia, please, <laughs> please. <laughs> no, I'm on the same page. It's one of those things where we're talking about his potential. And if just, again, being the blunt person I am, if that ends up flopping, whether it ends up being from a technical wrestling aspect or on the mic, it is what it is. How many people have we seen kind of come and go throughout the industry? Now, by no means am I saying that's what I want to happen because the intrigue is there. People clearly are absolutely loving what's going on there. But um, either way, it's like, I'm here for it. Let's see what happens. And if it turns out great, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one word to answer this. No, I don't want to see a Goldberg streak out of hook. I, I don't care for that. I mean, unbeaten streaks are very tricky anyway, because it's like, if anybody played like the video game, Mike Tyson's punch out, it's like the King hippo thing. Once you figure out how to beat the guy, then it's like, he's beatable and it's not fun anymore. Like, right. so I, I would prefer him to have, you know, whether he loses by some weird roll up or something like that, where he's inexperienced, kind of like Brown breaker losing the Champa. I prefer that. So we get that off of him sooner rather than later. I don't want to see these these incredibly long three year undefeated streaks. I don't need that in my wrestling life anymore. Uh, <laughs> we saw we saw it unfold with Hen and Morrell. He went undefeated for years and years and years. Then when he lost, he did nothing but lose for like the rest of his career. So uh, yeah, I, I think that I think AEW is good at implementing some realistic aspects of styles make fights and and things like that. And if somebody gets beaten, they aren't like done it does it's no indication that they're just done andreas just jealous of hook's hair come on yeah man that man's got a head yeah, everyone should be jealous of the hair Something the tom else. holland comparison by the way, alicia on point 
all I saw and then I couldn't unsee it and it drove me crazy. <laughs> yeah, very astute of a toot over here. Uh, <laughs> I know Andre's one like that one. Uh, all right, let's move over to Daniel R. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm sabotaging this whole thing. Uh, Hangman versus Danielson. They are set to have their rematch. I think, if I'm not mistaken, it will be on uh, a- D- Dynamite's TBS debut. Obviously, this is the rematch of their one-hour time limit draw. What should happen? Since we saw with Sean last time, I'll just move down the order here to Alicia. What do you want to see come out of Hangman versus Danielson 2? It's really interesting seeing that this is even going to happen again because these are two characters where when it comes to, or personalities rather, where when it comes to Hangman, like the buzz around him, whether he's coming in riding a horse or he's just playing up being a cowboy, like it's absolutely fascinating to me how many people have clicked with him and he doesn't really say a whole lot. So I think that in itself is just like a mind blowing. It's kind of like the hook fascination, you know? It's like, where did this come from? I understand it, but I don't at the same time. And I do think from a technical aspect when it comes to wrestling, it's going to be really fun to watch because of course, when we know when it comes to Brian, like one of the best, especially on being like a technical mat wrestler, uh, Hangman shown over the years that he can put on some really great matches as well. So I think from that stance, it could be really interesting in terms of mouthpieces, not, not, not so sure, but I'm intrigued to see where it goes and how they kind of decide to build that up against one another. Uh, that's kind of the intrigue for me. Like, where will they take this? Will there be a lot of, um, wait, can, can I, you know what? I'm just going to voice mark. Uh, will there be a lot of bad mouthing one another or not? So I'm kind mm-hmm. of just, they're pulling me in in that sense. Like, where are they going to go? I have no idea, but uh, from a wrestling aspect, I'm definitely there for it. Andreas? I mean, I think Heyman needs to go over here. As much as I like Danielson and I, I loved everything, I mean, to me, he's the 2021 wrestler of the year. And I think we need to have a serious conversation where he belongs on the wrestling Mount Rushmore with everything he's accomplished. We're at the point now where Hangman needs this more than Danielson does because he is an AEW, shall we say, original. And we don't need yeah. necessarily need Danielson to take the title off of him now because AEW's done a fantastic job of having four champions in three years of existence keep the title on page, really make him a made man and move on with it. Because Danielson can wrestle anybody on that roster, title or no title, and I won't care. Page, on the other hand, I mean, he can do the same. But him with the title right now just feels right. It just feels right. It feels right for him to go over on Danielson. And it feels right to go into 2022 with Page as your guy. And Danielson is still the man no matter what. Sean? I think you got to go with Hangman, but it's it's a 5149 mm. thing for me now because this could be like AEW's first short reign and Brian Danielson is just white hot everything he does. He just he barely changed and he is super over as a heel right now. And if he loses and he just starts acting like he did before, he's going to be super over as a babyface again. The reason he's getting booed is just because people love Hangman so much. And that's, that's fun to me. I like that. Like, depending on who you're in the room with, you might like one person more than the other. There's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't mean they got to completely change and do the, do a complete 180 of their personality based on that. I think they, they played this off really well. I would probably lean more into hangman. Um, and I think there are interesting stories you can tell based on either one of them losing because of hangman's self-doubt and Brian Danielson's competitiveness. Yeah. I think uh, I'm going to make us unanimous here on the hangman page side of things. Like Andreas said, this is a chance to really cement him as a star. I don't want to see that go small gripe with the first match. I feel like I would have preferred it to be like a, 50 50 draw not a oh hangman was about to win because now emotionally in a sense if hangman comes out of this with the title he's kind of two and oh against brian danielson i don't think there's any real hurting say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit Credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done. 
which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Brian Danielson's aura, but I would have liked to see it be a pretty, like, you know, we're 1-0-1 sort of thing, very clearly, if that's the way they're going to go. Um, now, Douglas Johnson. Speaking of, speaking of a young talent who's primed to make a big splash like Hook, Douglas Johnson wants to know, with Sean's reports today, when will Veer come? Do we, does anyone have any clue? I think, I think he's been coming for months. I, the guy, poor guy can't stop coming. Oh, he's on oh, that. He's coming, he's coming everywhere. Every, I hear every city. He, he came. He came. Oh. Even, though he didn't, even though you didn't see him come, he came every city along the tour. <laughs> Andreas, are you, are you as not, tired of... Uh, <laughs> yeah. no, you don't have to I'm touch Veer. right now. Yeah, Andreas, I, are you as tired of uh, Veer's... Oh build up as you are of Sean. Imagine how tired Veer's got to be. <laughs> so I'm a guest. I am. Uh, this is this is Veer. Have no territory. words. Yeah, it's Veered into territory I wasn't prepared for. Um, Ooh. yeah, I don't know, bro. All right, uh, I'll uh, just leave it to Sean. That that was gross. Yeah, let's. Uh, hey, man, Sean is built, <laughs> and I mean a dedicated following off this sort of humor so shout out to the fightful community sorry you, your friend is the world champion of raw can i can i get a scoop about about veer coming like that's that's all anybody wants to know poor guy's been coming since october <laughs> right through no, no nut november all right guys let's end <laughs> let's end it on this note before we get like flagged, demonetized, all that good stuff. Uh, as we wrap up the show, we got about five minutes left. I do want to ask each of you. This is the last show of 2022, as far as this roundtable goes. Uh, as we head into 20, uh, sorry, 2021. As we head into 2022, I want each of you to do two things for me. I know I'm throwing this uh, completely sidelining you guys here. One, I would like your New Year's resolution for AEW and your New Year's resolution for WWE. We make these quick because that'd be too in-depth. And uh, second, because I like to end on a happy note, what you think that, what you want to applaud AEW and WWE for the most this year? Uh, Hmm. Is anyone, we'll tackle the New Year's resolutions first. Does anyone have a New Year's resolution for AEW and or WWE? For AEW, it's more so just kind of throwing back to, earlier it's having this huge roster and how do you utilize it do you just continue to sign people every single week or do you continue to try to put more people on do you create even more shows like how they evolved to dark and um you know to use this excess talent like what do you do there so a resolution in that sense is maybe just how to use people better or not sign everybody so you're overcrowding everybody I think that's like a a huge thing um that's kind of been like one of my biggest gripes of the year I just don't get it because there are a lot of people who are signed who are amazing talent you just don't get to see them on your tv you know it's it's a frustrating thing um in terms of what they're doing well I love seeing all the talent that's there. It's like a double-edged sword. It's like social media, how we we're talking about before, you know, you love it and you can't stand it. So I think it's amazing that they're giving people opportunities. It's just, I wish that there was more balance in terms of all of that. So that's kind of, I feel like I've been dealing with that a lot. Every time I see someone sign, I'm like, oh my God, it's amazing. I'm like, well, I yeah. ever see you on my television. <laughs> it's not quite the TNA thing where they're just signing like, and sorry, Orlando Jordan, but like Orlando Jordan, like they're not just signing every wrestler that comes through. I'm sorry, Orlando. Um, but Val Venus got Val Venus. I mean, we, we, we like a really yeah. out of at the time a the really nasty boys. Yeah, really out signed. of shape. Gold Dust <laughs> came through his Black Rain. Um, they're signing super talented people, but uh, you know, there's a, there's an abundance of talent, and you got to chill out at some point. Um, you know mm-hmm. what? Let's split up the WWE and AEW duties. Does anyone have a WWE New Year's resolution they can throw out? Make well, things. One. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, Sean, you were already going to say, so I think... It has more vitriol to it, I can tell, too. Make things matter is what what I'd like. Make things matter. Make them cohesive. Make sense of them. Like, I I would love that. Like, show me that there's a reason that I'm watching this show. Reward me for watching your program instead of this can-they-coexist bullshit. I don't care if they can coexist. I want to watch them fight each other. That's the point. I've got no reason to care about them coexisting. On the uh, AEW side of things, I wish they would uh, diversify more at the top of their card. I wish they would do more uh, women's matches per show and establish trios titles. And if I got to put over one thing about WDB, it's how diverse they have been across all their shows. They have done an incredible job. It took them 50, 60 years to do it. But, I mean, they finally did it, and they're doing a great job of it right now. (laughs) 
Andreas, I'll let you swing either way here. WWE, AEW, both. Well, I'll start with WWE because Sean hit it. Uh, their diversity finally is putting the spotlight on minority talent, whether it's women or whether it's, uh, you know, you have ES champion, Woods. I mean, they have done a fantastic job with that. Um, but some people get this reference when I say it, some people won't. But it, it feels like I'm watching BET Plus when I watch WWE. And what I mean by that is the diversity is great, but the storytelling still sucks. Uh, so it's yeah. very hard for me to get involved with something that happened to Bianca Belair when she got nuked by Becky Lynch, which is something I will not get over. And, but it's like, it's great. I'm seeing them, but can they be more involved in more prominent storylines? Or like, for instance, listen, full disclosure. Yes. He's my friend, but he does not feel like the prominent title holder in this four-way match because it seems like it's more about everybody else. The storytelling sucks. Also, when you like Sean says, make things matter. This is very like this. This is very important because nothing matters. People just show up and get a title opportunity. It's like, hey, I don't like you. I'm getting like make. Right. The, I don't. I don't need win loss records or anything like that. But I need something to make sense. You need and to be I invested. Don't need, yeah, and I. I also don't need to see if you're going to advertise me a pay per view with a match. I don't need to see them work that variation of a match five weeks in a row. Tag match, triple threat. Love, match. love New Day and Usos. Those, love yeah. their matches. Don't need to see it 10 times before the pay-per-view. Yeah. Especially when they say, chance. yeah, yep. especially when they say, hey, we're wrestling at the pay-per-view, but we're going to tonight for no title. Because well, it takes hell? away its luster so much. Why would I buy the pay-per-view, something... right? Yeah. Exactly. exactly. It's like I've seen so many different versions of this. What's the point? Yeah. You nailed, the, well, nailed that for sure. Alicia, yeah, I'll it... compliment MLW really well. They built up two 800-day champions. And then for they're real? like, why wouldn't they fight each other? Why wouldn't they fight each other? And it wasn't a DQ. It wasn't a no contest. One person won, one person lost. And you know what I've not heard anybody say? I've not heard anybody go, uh, Fatu's a scrub because he lost to Hammerstone. No, he held that title for 800 days. He lost it clean as a sheet. And that's What's the beauty next? of it. They both showed up so perfectly in that match. We didn't see them in different variations or reincarnations of matches prior. Everyone was just waiting for that magic to happen. And they put on one hell of a match in, uh, during Fightland. So thank you for mentioning that because I honestly loved watching that live so, so much. <laughs> yeah, and I, I know I promised that we're going to end this on a happy note, but I can't tell you how I, I agreed to cover a Monday Night Raw live recap shift. Shout out to Brent Brookhouse and CBS Sports. Never doing that again. Um, okay. Why are you going to tell me that one of the biggest draws for the night is AJ Styles versus Omos? Why am I going to get AJ Styles versus Grayson Walker teased? Waller. It's Grayson Waller. And the reason you don't know his name is because he's never won a match on NXT. Thank you. Why do I get Commander Aziz coming out here saying I'm going to fight AJ Styles? And then I get back from commercial and it's Apollo Crews. Also, what happened? Where, where Aziz yeah, got hit with that phenomenal anymore. forearm, popped back up, ran over, tripped, and then got punched down again. Never doing that again. He's a me. cartoon character. We do have uh, one more question. Yeah, okay, yeah. We'll hit the super chat if that's okay with everyone. You guys are okay for another minute? All right. Sure. Douglas Johnson, do you think Elevation should be used as a bigger show like Rampage and more competitive? Keep Dark is the show. You know who wins. Um Okay, just... what do you guys like? What do you guys think about taking Elevation, which is a YouTube show, and I guess sort of making it a B-ish show the way Rampage is? How many I... shows do you really need? Like, there's just there's I just... love having three hours of like really meaningful AEW. No more. Yeah, there's yeah. so many. Yeah, there's so know. many, and I don't even understand the distinction anymore. Like, it's just what's the point? Like, make it matter. You know what I mean? It's just I just don't understand why. We need to keep churning so many different shows out where there's really not a huge differential between them all. And then at the same time, I feel like I'm kind of seeing the same things week after week. I don't know. I just don't let it be. I don't think you need to have six different shows for, for one brand, but that's just, that's just me. The beauty of dark and elevation to me is you don't have to watch them to keep up with everything else. If you want to watch them, no. you can, mm-hmm. and you don't have to watch anything else if you don't want, but you get them. I, I think they need to add more to Rampage. When I went to Rampage before that Minneapolis show, oh my God, it was completely missable. And I, it, it was the point to where I was like, I'm not flying in on Fridays anymore. I didn't need to see this show. I didn't need to watch yeah. this show. All due respect. But I think they need to add some more to that. That's why I think they should utilize the FTW title more, utilize the trios title more. We got the TBS title coming in. But um, no, I think they should add more to Rampage and make that a less missable show. 
Yep, that, that yeah. I don't need another show. You can add a little bit to it. I mean, sure. I would even be opposed to a brand split of sorts in a way to make the make things feel a little bit more important. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't need a, a third and fourth show. I mean, three hours of raw is painful, and yeah. it, they re- you quickly realize how difficult it is to fill up television, no matter how much talent you have. It's mm-hmm. still a challenge. So if you added another hour to Rampage, I'm here for that. I don't need elevation to be something else. That something else is derivative of something else. I'm, I'm cool. I'm cool. That's enough. I got my fill. It's enough wrestling on TV. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> and on that note, to really bring in the holiday cheer going into 2022. Guys, thank you so much for checking out the second episode of Fightful's Wrestling Roundtable. I'll get mine out of the way so we can let all these beautiful people get their plugs in. You can find my work over at CBS Sports as well as Entertainment Tonight Canada. I just dropped an interview with Liv Morgan. There's one with Christian Cage uh, over at ET Canada as well as a Tony Khan one on my personal channel. So please check that out. Shaq Wrestling is the place to go. Also, please follow everybody on Twitter. Great to get those followings up and it's the best place to engage with us except SRS who doesn't let you reply to half his tweets on that note srs what do you want to tell the people uh you're at the channel that i do all my stuff at i got an interview with dan housen uh dropping this week i interviewed chuck palumbo and i was so happy that i'm releasing it on a week that eric bischoff showed up and did a wedding so uh we could reference that that's cool i gotta have we're gonna have a lot of stuff for hard to kill next week uh i interviewed gail kim and chelsea green and i got steve macklin coming next week but FightfulSelect.com, that's where I'm breaking all kinds of news. Alicia? All of my interviews along with online content can be found at AliciaToot.com or simply my YouTube channel. I'm also super active on socials and I'm currently in a very intense, almost year-long rivalry with a horrible human being named Selena DeLorenta. And we actually have a OnlyFans page, which is not what you think. It's all wrestling matches, crazy photo shoots, and crazy antics. So if you want to check that out, it is not friends on our page. But again, just search Alicia too on socials. You'll find tons of interviews with your favorite musicians and wrestlers along with bodybuilders. So check it out. Shout out to Magic Spoon for making that possible. Uh, <laughs> and Andreas, take us home, man. All right. So uh, you can find my work at Sporting News. So the website, sportingnews.com, is where I'm the senior editor of all combat sports, MMA, boxing, and pro wrestling. Uh, obviously, the thing behind me here, Our Heroes Rocks, coming at you soon. Me, Big E, and Johnny Davenport. If you don't know, Johnny is the man who designs everybody's ring gear, including E's. Johnny uh, Gargano's final match at NXT. That was Johnny Davenport. He's our animator. So that's coming your way real soon. Um, a podcast, the Corner Podcast with Kel Dansby. We record out of the Wind Studio in Las Vegas. So follow that. Uh, subscribe. We can use always use more subscribers. Uh, we're bringing wrestling with stereotypes back soon with me and Kel on ad-free shows. Uh, we took a little hiatus, but we'll be back. We have so many people to talk to. And I think that's it. Everything else, at Andreas Hale. Uh, <coughs> if you follow me on Twitter, you're in for uh, a treat. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Yeah, I'm a... All right, on that wonderful hey, note, guys. I'm following you. Yes, no, we do, we do. It's fun seeing Andreas dunk on people. It's uh, it's it doesn't happen quite the same way it does with SRS. It's two very different scales to the Duncan. Uh, guys, again, thank you. Subscribe, thumbs up. That helps more people see the video. Happy holidays, happy new year. We'll catch you back here on Fightful Pro Wrestling for another roundtable next month. Stay in tune to Sean's socials for those deets. Peace out, everyone. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.